in six or seven minutes, you've given me two or three nuggets of information that's helpful for me to make an informed decision about whether I will take the vaccine or not. I'm Dr. Lisa Fitzpatrick, founder of Grapevine Health and your host of the Grapevine Health Podcast, a podcast highlighting stories, health insights, and experiences of community members. We started this podcast because too often discussions and decision-making about health and the healthcare system don't include perspectives from the people we serve. So listeners, if you have a personal story or an experience from working in the community or on the front lines of healthcare, contact us and we might have you on the show. Today, Khadija Tribble and I talk about trusted health information and the root of vaccine skepticism in the Black community. I want to talk to you about the vaccine. Tell me why you won't take the coronavirus vaccine. For one, just knowing how vaccines have worked in this country, my antennas go off with Uh, the expedited way in which we've come to a vaccine. I've since learned that there are some reasons why we've been able to move uh, really fast. Mm -hmm. Uh, But also, if I'm being honest, you know, I don't fully trust this current administration, to be honest. I can trust Dr. Fauci, but I don't trust if he had to rely on some information from someplace. I don't trust that that information is um, valid. I want to see like every part of the process and who Uh was involved with it. So when you say the way vaccines work in this country, though, what does that mean? So if the information that we have received, whether you're in the public health field or not, just a regular old lay person, that the average time from beginning an application to actually getting something that is safe for people to uh, take is anywhere from eight to 10 years. OK, maybe cutting it down five years, all three, but six months. No. So, yeah. <laughs> you said you've learned okay. a bit about why the process has gone so fast. What have you learned? So I was reading some reports where um, there has been a um, set of protocols that have been worked on over the last couple of decades that were precisely were made for this moment so that there are a number of things could happen quickly. Um, and that what has happened in the last six or seven months is being built on those set of protocols that people have worked on, which allows for the this part of the process to be expedited. So does that make you feel better about it? I was going to ask you about it. That's why I wanted to do this call. So you could tell me what does that really mean? What are you talking about? Because I know you know. Well, I don't know everything, but I think um, you're raising some valid points. Number one... Let's just all agree that the politicization of this process uh, has been detrimental to trust and people's willingness to even think about getting the vaccine. That's that's really unfortunate. Right. But we have to separate the politics from science. Okay. So if you had if you had a pipe burst in your house, would you call me? Probably not. Why not? Because you don't, you just going to call somebody else. You don't know nothing about fixing pipes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. In the same way, why would we listen to politicians talk about science unless they were scientists before they became politicians? Right. I think part of the challenge 
is that the information we are transmitting or communicating about the vaccine is partially coming from people who don't understand the process and who have political motives. Those should be separated from this process. And I think that's the reason people are willing to listen to someone like Dr. Fauci, because he is a scientist, a respected scientist, and he is not bringing politics into his explanations about what's happening. It's also the reason I joined the vaccine trial so that I could help explain what was going on. So does that, what do you think about that? Does that give you any comfort if you think about separating the science from the politics? Can I just add a nuance? Cause I think you're right. I think this whole situation has been politicized to the detriment of uh, trust, right? Mm-hmm. True. But the politicization of it is one part of it, right? I'm trying to understand if government has been used as a tool for this administration to do wrongdoing or to do things that help the leader of this particular administration look well, do well, you know, make more money, then the question for me is not just the one of the politics of it all, but it is, have there been arms of the government which have been utilized in this process of expediting or doing whatever that compromises the process, right? And so while I can have trust in you and what you experience, you know, and I I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I don't want to be that person because this is way too much, way too important of an issue, right? And I don't want people to not get vaccinated. I myself need to build a level of comfort that the systems have not been uh, dismantled, right? And, and, and so, you know, I trust you, I trust Dr. Fauci. I don't necessarily always trust the systems that they're working in by which things happen, right? Yeah, so there's, there's a process that's been utilized for decades to approve and to demonstrate medications and treatments are safe. Have you ever taken a medication? Right, yes. All of those medications had to go through a research process very similar to the one the vaccines are going through. And it happens in phases. And the most important thing to know is that the first phase is there because that's when we demonstrate whether or not the treatment is safe or the vaccine is safe. And that's why I felt comfortable enrolling in the trial because phase one, the first part of the the research showed that the vaccines were safe. They couldn't proceed to the next phases Hmm. or the next stages unless they proved that. The other thing I'm reminding Black people is that Black people are involved in this process. This is not like Tuskegee in 1932. Black people had no rights They were unable to consent. They were not informed about what was going on. They didn't ask questions or couldn't ask questions, or even if they did, they wouldn't be given the correct information. But because we have approvals and and processes in place now, some of which are overseen by Black scientists, Black researchers, people who are monitoring the process are also people from different backgrounds. So I think just helping people understand what's really going on with research and how is it different from decades ago when people 
were experimented upon. I mean, we can call it what it is. It was an experiment. And we've had other examples of that. But nowadays, here in 2020, this process is a safe process. So the steps, people, people believe the steps were skipped. It's not that they were skipped. Some of the administrative challenges we have with submitting research proposals, getting approvals, this is a global pandemic. The, the request for these vaccine research trials went to the front of the line, but also people raised their hand to say, I wanna be in the trial. And sometimes it takes a long time to enroll enough people in a study to make sure you get the answer. Well, these studies were oversubscribed. Let's say they had 10 slots available. They had 30, I'm making this up. If they had 10 slots available, they had 30 or 40 people who raised their hand and said, I will do it. So they had more people um, than they needed or than they expected. So when you have a situation like that, things can go a lot faster because it doesn't take as long. But the bi- I would say the biggest thing people don't understand about why the process went so quickly is because there's a, there's a new approach to vaccinations being used with these coronavirus vaccines. And it's not new as in they just discovered it this year. This, is, this has been years of research and we are benefiting from years of research. This is a medical advancement. And I want people to recognize we often ask for cures for diseases. We ask for uh, new, new treatments. We ask for medical advancements, and that's exactly what this is. So it's frustrating that we don't recognize this as a medical advancement. There have been people working on uh, this approach to the vaccine for a long time. And because they were able to use that information, along with everything we knew about coronavirus, that cut down on the timeline. And I would say that's probably the biggest reason it could go fast, but we, we don't really take the time to bring people along and explain that to them. And that's what I was just about to say. So that's great. Like in six or seven minutes, you've given me two or three nuggets of information that's helpful for me to make an informed decision about whether I will take the vaccine or not. Now, I, I'm not going to tell you whether I'm going to take it or not, because that's not what this call was about to convince me to take the vaccine. I would like to know. It's not. It's not. But I would like to know, given how much... Um, reluctance there is. What do you think it would take to help people make a good decision about whether or not they want to take it? Well, I think honest and frank conversations like this and not to um, not to to belittle people that they're being small minded because they have some concerns. Right. I think the Mm -hmm. thing that you just said about there's been this all of this medical advancement, this research and, you know, year upon year of research stacking and making this moment possible. But how many of average people and even above average people, I mean, you know, people I people I know and connect with are fairly well in tune with things. And I'm having this, these conversations with them, right? Um, and I think there needs to be there needs to be more consideration of access to information and exposure to processes and understanding. And it, it can't be these big words and all this long drawn out process. But you know, the reason people know how bills get done in Congress was because like a three minute animated video skit right about I'm the just a bill. Bill. Right. Yeah. can we talk about <laughs> i'm just a, a a disease and what happens when we need to you know 
you know, and I don't think it's it's a dumbing down. It is an inviting into the conversation. Uh, ne- not everyone needs to be a PhD to understand why medical research and advancement is important because ultimately it has an impact on our health. That's what we're seeing right now. Mm-hmm. Where do you get most of your medical information? Honestly, uh, Google mm-hmm. and my friends. Okay, Google and the grapevine. Mm-hmm. Do you get medical information from the television or TV news? Do I, so I get information for sure. It, and it gives me an opportunity or it sparks something where I'll ask a question. I'll text someone who might, I might have uh, that's connected to the medical field or, you know, I'll go do some research. But for sure, I, I particularly in this last six or seven months. And when you hear medical experts on television talking about the pandemic and the vaccine, do you understand what they're talking about? Some of them, yes. Yeah, some of them, yeah. Like Dr. Sanjay Gupta, I think, has been really uh, fascinating to watch and and, and see him um, break down certain things. But he's like overutilized even. It would be great to just have, and there was one other, uh, there was a Black woman, I think, that CNN was using sometimes to talk about things. But there's an oversaturation of the same messaging, and it doesn't allow us a 360-degree understanding of something because mm-hmm. even though you say it repeatedly if i didn't understand it the first time the way that you said it the 13th time that you said it that same way it still it doesn't automatically you know so i like to piece together right yeah, i think more yeah. voices uh and diverse voices um who have a different way that they communicate i think are important for something yeah. this big so this morning i heard a conversation about the first person to receive the coronavirus vaccine. And this person was a black nurse. And there was some pushback that the first person was black. What's your, what's your response to that? Or what, when you hear that the first person to receive a coronavirus vaccine in the U.S. is black? She's the first person to receive the vaccine? She's mm-hmm. the per- Really? Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was maybe. Okay. Um, well, I think- remember, remember up to now, the vaccines were in the research process and then it had to be approved by the Food and Drug Administration or the FDA. And so now that the approval is granted, the vaccine can be distributed within the general public. Priority groups and healthcare workers are the first group. So, so when I hear you say that she's the first, and I'm assuming it's a woman because that's what I, the reports that I read, right? It's a, it's a black person also happens to be a woman in healthcare. So there's a lot there, and I think it was strategic for people to to make sure that it it w- the first outside of the trial to get it was a person of color and happened to be a woman. Um, and I, it sparks these kinds of conversations. What I'm hopeful is that the conversations don't stay so surface and petty and, you know, oh my goodness, Black lady, come back on this side, you've been misled. I'm, I mean... All jokes aside, this is a serious issue. And I think people need to take the the hesitations serious and we need to address the concerns. And if trust is that, and I think more people like you talking about the fact, there are two things that I wrote down. One, the vaccine, I mean, the the research got pushed to the front of the line. So if there was a backlog of five years and you started this process and you didn't expedite to the front of the line, we might still be here. I also heard that the, the, the ability to get people to participate 
in, in, a, in enough variety of diversity of folks to participate was another reason we could expedite this and we could get to this six or seven month time frame and that um, staffing and or other resources were made available because of the um, just the big deal that this is. And so those three things make sense when you put it out there. But if you're not thinking, you're just thinking, the last thing I want to do is go get a shot that might help me stop me from getting COVID. I might decide that I just want to be in my house for the next year. That that can stop me, right? Wow. But but I have that option, right? I have the privilege of staying in my house, ordering my food and being here if I wanted to. But not everyone like like the black woman who got it, uh, the, the first um, vaccine was, she doesn't have the option of staying home. She's a healthcare worker. So the last thing I'd love to hear your perspective on is what would you say to people who say, because of the Tuskegee experiment, Black people should be concerned about getting vaccinations? So, you know, that's a double-edged kind of, I don't know, double-edged, but I just, I think we have to give some validity to it because we have not done as a public health community or community at large with really getting people understanding what the Tuskegee experiment was, what it did. Cause some people out here don't even really know what happened. A lot of people like they gave them syphilis and you need to know what you're talking about, right? You need to be clear about when you're talking about it and you need to understand all the ways in which there were no systems or check systems in place to ensure that black people, black men in particular were treated as humans, as opposed to just, you know, animals in a research study, right? And I think if people raise it, let's address it. Let's not act like people have gotten over it because we have gotten over it or we have more information, right? To inform our decision-making. And there are some people out there just, to be honest, they're not gonna move from that point. They have nothing in their experiences that says that they should move from 1937. So do you think we should leave those people alone or should we try and expose them to accurate information, hoping they can move further along. I guess what I would love to hear some thoughts about is for those people who are stuck back there thinking 2020, the same thing can happen that happened in 1932. You have to present the case, the case that you just presented. Here are all the, here are all the things that are happening right now. And in 1937, at the start of it, the, these things were missing, right? Informed consent, uh, people that are part of the process from various communities and, you know, a watchdog of sorts that just didn't exist back, back then. So I think you need to state the case. Um, but I'll tell you, for, for however many people believe this election was a fraud of sorts, you could spend all your time trying to get them to understand that it was the safest, most regulated election to date in American history, and they still won't believe you. Or you could present the evidence that is true and work with those folks who are uh, what I like to consider the movable middle. And so for those individuals out there like myself, I'm not wedded to stay back in 1937. There's no reason I want to stay back and have that experiment jade every encounter I have with healthcare moving forward. Thank you very much, Khadija. It's great talking to you.
That was Khadija Tribble talking with me about the coronavirus vaccine process and how to improve access to trusted health information in the Black community. Thanks for listening to the Grapevine Health Podcast. Our producer is Nicholas Elias. Please like us on social media. You can find us at Grapevine Health on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Health Grapevine. Until next time, I'm Dr. Lisa, signing off.